Welcome to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz, a candid conversation as we learn about types of dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, frontal temporal, and Lewy body, and the effects on the people we love. Jill's years of dedication and experience help you adapt, overcome obstacles, and find positive outcomes. It's time for Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Well, hello, my friends. I hope everyone is doing well worldwide. I think of you often, and I always try to come up with a good subject that maybe we haven't talked about before. And this time, I think I really have done that. I have a guest in the studio with me today, and it's so near and dear to my heart because this is one of my best friends that's joining me today. Her name is Heather Goldberg, and Heather is a board-certified holistic health practitioner and lifestylist. And you all know that I've been on a journey Um, And I have shared this journey over the last three months talking about how I'm trying to change my lifestyle intentionally to become not only more healthy but more present in how I want to live my life and my nutritional values and things of that nature with, you know, combining exercise and good eating habits and you know, mind, body, and spirit, bringing it all together. And nobody does this better than you, my dear friend, Heather. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to have you. We have a lot in common because we are both very interested in Alzheimer's, what it does to our brains, how it devastates our families, and we have not been immune to that. No, no. Like you, I am an Alzheimer's granddaughter, and I'm an Alzheimer's daughter. That's right. And I am too. And in fact, it's now reached other levels of my family, which is disturbing on a lot of levels. And I really enjoy talking to you about ways to be healthier. I always feel inspired when we're done talking, I always take something away that I'm going to utilize that's going to change my course and my journey. And so I wanted to talk about, you know, what would you say is probably the biggest impact on your life of having people in your family, your mom and your grandmother, having this really dreadful disease? I would say, I mean... That is a really loaded question, right? Right. If I had to summarize it quickly, it would be that it's really just set me on this important path to be of service, to be a mentor in a way to those also impacted by Alzheimer's or chronic disease processes that may be underlying or contributing factors to Alzheimer's or other dementias. My passion and love lies in supporting the caregiver and providing a roadmap for self-care to handle the day-to-day stresses that um, fall under the caregiving umbrella, but also to perhaps mitigate those worries that any of us, um, that our caregivers familiar in a a family setting to Alzheimer's patients worrying about 
they themselves may be getting Alzheimer's. And, you know, so many people do. So many people really do worry about this. And today, folks, I really want you to get out your pen and your paper or record on your phone, whatever you need, document, put it on your calendar that this show is going to drop in a week or so and uh, listen to it more than once because we are going to be chock full of information today about ways to make nutrition and healthy living easier and better. And it doesn't have to be difficult or anything like that. But like I said, Heather really, really embodies the mind, body, and spirit approach. And we're going to dive deep into that. And what does that look like in ways to relieve stress? And, you know, what what kind of foods does she eat in her kitchen? And and what kind of ideas can she give us about better nutrition? So we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, let's talk about your beautiful mom, Suzanne. Perfect. If I can go back just one second. So when you talk about the mind, body, spirit, right? When people hear this, a holistic health coach, but that's really what I am. It's the whole body. It's the whole person and how we take care of ourselves from head to toe, right? Right. Um, brain to heart. And so I like to call myself a longevity stylist, but all it does, a longevity lifestylist. And all that means is that I am showing people how to live, feel, and be better in their lives. Um, show them how to live longer, happier, healthier lives. And, and to just wrap up the whole thing about the impact You know this about me. I am so passionate about the research that's done on the Alzheimer's front and in the Alzheimer's field. Um, And for a long time, we've left um, it to the researchers to find a cure. Right. And what what I've learned in really being a caregiver to my mommy specifically in the last four years and taking charge of my own life is that we need to be part of that cure. That it's not just leaving it to the researchers to find the cure, but us locking arms and um, especially women putting ourselves on the front lines and becoming part of that cure ourselves. Right. Oh, absolutely. Um, To go back and talk about mommy, I mean, I'll work backwards. Mommy is now living in a memory care facility, uh, has recently just been placed on hospice care. Um, It's hard. As she's fine, as she's finally, and I say this so lovingly, as she's finally living in the final stages, late stages of Alzheimer's, I've been waiting and praying for Alzheimer's to just release its grip, oh. so mommy can move beyond. You know, and I know our listeners understand that. You know, my mom having it for twenty three years seemed just insane. I mean, it just kind of went on and on, and there reached a point in really her last four years where I just wanted the good Lord to take her. You know, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, and I, you know, just wanted her to not have that disease or pain anymore. And I know that's how you how you feel. Yeah. Yeah, I say it very lovingly. And Absolutely. I do know I'm in good company. Mm-hmm. Um, after four years uh, – of my sister and I being my mommy's full-time caregivers. We shared her care completely, as you know. She mm-hmm. lived in my house. She lived in my sister's house and with our families. 
um, we finally had gotten to the place that we were just really out of our depths and knew that we were an accident away from disaster. We really were beyond our limits of being able to care for her. So with your gentle guidance, uh, we have found a loving um, place for her. Uh, She was formally diagnosed with Alzheimer's just about five years ago now. But her doctor suspected she's been living with uh, Alzheimer's for eight, maybe even ten years. Sure. And this is a testament actually to her really deep cognitive skills. Mommy is very educated, has had uh, an illustrious 35-plus-year career as a nationally recognized nurse practitioner. She has the best vocabulary or had the best vocabulary of anybody I've ever known. And that is always translated to the written word as well. Um, She's deeply spiritual, was an ordained ordained minister. Um, And when my father died, I was just five, my sister one. And so my mommy took that small life insurance policy and put herself through nursing nursing school. (laughs) She was so in deep admiration of what those nurses did for my father, that she wanted to be like them. And so it's nice to look back. It's a great question because it's so nice to look back on mommy's adult life as I've known her and see that it really came full circle. And, you know, I remember going out to dinner, have Mm -hmm. Mexican food and having margaritas with Mm -hmm. you and Bill and my husband and me and your mom and having fun running into your sister and her family (laughs) on occasion. And, you know, just what a beautiful spirit she is. And I enjoy going by the community to visit her on a regular basis and to say hello. And, you know, with, with everything that has happened to her, You've taken this bull by the horns, right? And you've decided to redefine. I'm just going to say redefine. I think that's a good way. Um, Lifestyle and health approaches and how our environment can be a contributing factor to how the disease develops and progresses And one thing that you have always said that I just love is you say, I am always pushing a lifestyle button to override possible genetics so that I stay healthy as I age. I love that. And I've used it as a mantra for myself. Um, So you've committed to changing your lifestyle. And that includes some solid foundational pillars. You have... Eight of them, right? Can you tell my listeners what they are? Yeah. So I love it. I don't know that I was redefining. I'm actually just navigating like everybody oh, else. Oh, I love that. Right? Maybe I'm redefining. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it, it is whatever it means for any of us. But I am. I'm just constantly trying to take new information, assimilate it, and then work it into my life, however that works. I also do it with my patients, try and figure out what works for them. What works for me doesn't always work for them. But I do have this outline of these eight pillars of living a nutritious life that I go by. Okay. And this is in no particular order. Um, you'll see me hashtag them all the time. Um, <laughs> and they, I think, are self-explanatory. Of course, we'll break them down, I think, throughout this talk. But um, eat empowered. Sleep deep. Drink up, 
nurture yourself, live consciously, sweat often, stress less, and love more. Ah, I love that. And we are going to go over each and every one of those individually today. Um, So putting all that into play, over the past several decades, folate has emerged as an essential nutrient, right, in the fight against memory loss. Why? I know this is something that is important to you. Why is it an important factor? Well, you know, there are so many, um, I mean, there are so many rabbit holes we can go down. So many people are looking for that one fix, right, that one thing. But it's not just one thing. And so I love that we're going to break some of these down. Mm -hmm. Folate, um, cognitive decline and various forms of dementia, including Alzheimer's, especially including Alzheimer's, have long been associated with low folate levels. According to improvememory.com, folate or its synthetic version, it's called folic acid, Mm -hmm. is a water-soluble B vitamin and has long been praised for its cell-generating role. And that's why it's a major component of prenatal vitamins. As just an aside, a little-known fact, did you know that babies in the first three years of their lives are developing neural pathways and connections at more than a million per second? I did not know that. Yes. So That's that, cool. <laughs> so when we talk about that cell-generating role, right, mm-hmm. and, its, and its ability to prevent birth defects – brain birth defects, um, and other major. In recent years, though, they've been determining that it also plays a role in protecting the health of the brain of adults and can even slow age-related cognitive decline. Why? How does it work? I mean, we all know that the vitamins need to be um, – we, we need to take vitamins – If you go to the doctor and you're saying you're having memory problems, one of the first things they say is, let's check your vitamin B12 and D levels, right? So how does this correlate? That's probably a better question for uh, doctors, medical doctors that are on. But my suspicion is, again, it's that cell regeneration. And then it's about how our body is uptaking those vitamins. Are they bioavailable to us? Okay. Are we leaning on synthetic drugs or are we leaning on maybe more natural ways that our body can easily recognize? You'll find through this talk today, and you know me very well, but I always lean t- towards the food first right. and then the supplements next. You know, I have to say that is an absolute true statement. In all the years I've known you, I can even remember sitting at the educational symposium where some of the doctors were talking about, you know, food and nutrition, and you were already questioning, can this make an impact? And they're still studying it. But you and I both believe it absolutely makes an impact. Yeah, there's a larger and larger body of scientific evidence leading to that. And if you'll remember a lot of what I would say. So my husband jokes a lot of the time. Like sometimes I get bogged down in the whys or the hows. But in the end, I was glad to defer to the doctors in that instance. I don't know how a car works, but I know I need a car to get around, right? <laughs> right. So it's kind of the same thing. And so my my take always was and everybody was like, no, no, we got to do this. And we don't know that yet. I'd be like, 
what does it hurt to talk about eating blueberries on a daily or a weekly basis or throwing some spinach in our smoothies? You know, at the very least, we know that we're feeding our bodies, fueling our bodies, and taking care of ourselves. If there are cognitive benefits to that, right now, let's just say that's a bonus. Yeah, so be it, right? (laughs) Well, a lot of people probably don't even know what folic acid or folate is. So give me an idea. (laughs) What are maybe some of the top ways that you add it to your diet? On any given day, you'll find me snacking on edamame, lentils, beets, chickpeas, asparagus, beans, like lentil beans, broccoli, avocado, spinach, Brussels sprouts. All delicious ways, right? Right. (laughs) So all of that is not only just healthy, but, but it can kick up those folate levels in your body and help your brain. Uh, yes. Help your gut. Yes. Helps everything. Yes. I love that. <laughs> and you've also talked to me about chlorophyll. Um, I'll tell you what, as much as I know about food, I know about protein and carbohydrates. I don't necessarily know about folates and chlorophyll. So educate me. Again, the details of it really, I don't know how it works exactly, except if we go back to like third grade biology, right? We talk about how a plant grows and with the sunshine, right? Right. And so I originally added chlorophyll um, to my daily uh, regimen six plus years ago, helping uh, our daughter Lexi um, kind of detox some of those little lime buggies she had. It's a totally different conversation, mm-hmm. but has also put me on this path of I can control what goes in our bodies so that our bodies are as strong as they can possibly be. And so um, not only did it support her in her healing and detoxifying of some of those um, buggies and metals, but it would also provide um, antioxidant and anti-inflammatory support. It helped me in just aging well, right? We all want to age well. Right. I, you know, I always talk about my business is welcome to my aging well atelier, right? <laughs> Chlorophyll is just one of those um, – one of those supplements that I add, and it really is like drinking a glass of sunshine. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so is it something that you add to your your drink? It is. So it's just this little tincture of uh, liquid chlorophyll, which um, the way when it's made liquid makes it much more bioavailable to our body so it can be used immediately. Where do and we I- get it? We can get it at our local grocery stores. I can find it at King Supers and like the little Optimum department. You can find it at your Whole Foods, Sprouts. Incredible. Yep. Even online. So speaking of supplements and things like that, we're always, you especially, are always looking for new foods, supplements, products, resources to add to Heather's toolbox, right? So you can help your family, your friends, your clients live longer, healthier, happier lives, right? So... Tell me, help me understand why with that gluten-free, non-GMO, organic foods, veggies, things like that, why are they important on your list and why would they be important to anybody else who's just trying to eat better and healthier? So as Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, right? So I'm always going to start there again. 
food fuels our bodies. And so if you think – and this is going to be a silly example because back to the car. Not that I'm obsessed with cars, but it's always a good <laughs> – I don't know very much about a car. But you wouldn't put a low-grade fuel in a Ferrari. Right. So why would you do that in your own body? Ooh, I love that. Right? So <laughs> I choose the best for my own body. I choose seasonal. I choose local. I choose clean. I always like to think about how my grandparents or my great-grandparents ate. Mm -hmm. When we think of a tomato from our childhood, it is nothing like tomatoes today in terms of like nutritive value, right? Right. So our soils are depleted. Our um, water sources are polluted. The crops are sprayed with pesticides. All that said, I'm just trying to get back to the kind of food that I ate as a child and that's why I choose minimally processed, very little packaged, and as clean um, and as locally sourced and grown as I can. I love that. You know, as I drive around Denver, sometimes visiting my clients' homes, I see these community gardens coming mm -hmm. in. I and I them. just love that. And that's all about one of the first things of your eight um, – eight pillars, is eating empowered. What does that mean? Yeah. So eating empowered just really means being conscious in the choices you make about the food that you eat. That's all it is, is, is this a good choice? Could I make a better choice? Right? And sometimes the answer is, no, I can't make a better choice. I'm at the airport and I'm starving and now I'm just going to look and see of the two bars, which is the better, right? But right. just kind of being mindful. This is all about mindfulness and making those choices that will fuel our bodies as optimally as it can, given the choices that you have in the moment. So on the way over here, I was telling you that uh, a doctor that I'm going to have on the show here in the upcoming weeks, her name is Loda, she said to me, Eat a handful of berries every day and have salmon at least twice a week. <laughs> I love it. I love it too because, like you said, they are full of antioxidants. We all know that's going to help us at some point in time, right? Yes. It's going to help our brains. It's going to help our bodies. It's even again going to help us as we age and maybe help us age a little more gracefully, right? Right. Those phytonutrients are better known as antioxidants and flavonoids, and eating them regularly can improve our motor control, cognition, coordination, balance, alertness, and focus. Which we all need and want because nobody is safe from this disease. No. Nobody is safe from this disease. And I have a younger group that I work with where people in their 20s are getting this disease. And I uh, do a support group with them. And it's always uh, devastating to me that that they are going through this. And even when they are, I want them to try to be as healthy as they can be too. So here's a, another question I'm sure the listeners would want to know. How can we translate comfort food into good food? How can we incorporate comfort food into a healthy diet? Is there any such thing, my friend? There is. There is. And, you know, I spent this past summer becoming a Harvard-trained and certified um, 
what they call a chef clinician in culinary medicine. As we find more and more doctors prescribing lifestyle medicine as one of their prescriptions, we also found a gap. So when we tell our patients to eat better, we were finding that they don't know exactly what that means. Right. And what is the how? Some of it is how to shop, where to source our food, knife skills, what kind of pan to have. Are canned beans as good for us as dried beans? Like all those things. So that set me on a path. And so in learning that, in learning how to take that knowledge and then pass it along to my client base, yeah, I do. I, I help my clients, friends, family with all kinds of hacks, right? Send me your favorite family recipe and I'll make it healthy for you. Oh, and nobody cool. even needs to know, right? <laughs> I have all these little secret hacks. I tell nobody when I come to potlucks or <laughs> show up at the Thanksgiving table. That's awesome. So answer the question, which is better, uh, frozen beans or canned beans? I would do frozen beans. Um, frozen, when we're talking about green beans. Green beans, vegetables, fruits, any of those frozen, they are picked at the um, peak of ripeness and they are packaged perfectly for you. Uh, in terms of canned beans like lentils or navy beans versus dried beans, it's whatever your preference is. Honestly, they both – whatever is convenient. Some of those life hacks that I talk about or kitchen hacks mm-hmm. are really about time, right? So I remember the day when my grandmother would be soaking beans but soup, she'd soak it at 6 in the morning so the soup could be made. I still do that. <laughs> I know. And I love those days when I do do it. But there are other days that I'm like, oh, the wind is whipping up. I want a big bowl of bean soup and I'm going to do it in an hour's time. And thankfully I have the um, cannellini beans or whatever on hand that I can just toss those in the soup. I love that. And so, you know, when you are really hungry – you're in the kitchen chopping veggies and things like that. Um, what kind of things do you chop up? What do you What do you grab? What What serves as an inspiration to you, and how do you turn it into something delicious? So, I am really fortunate, and a lot a lot of us can be. I have a CSA delivery every single week. What's that? CSA stands for Community Supported Agriculture. And you'll find these local farms that you can have a certain amount of produce delivered to your house. And so I have a delivery every Wednesday. And that puts me in a – that's where I get all my produce. I mean every once in a while if I want to add something, I'll have Bill stop by and pick up a watermelon or something. But I choose my menu based on whatever it is that my box came. So – then that inspires me. That will set me out. You'll see a lot in my social media, like I'll post whatever my delivery was that week. And then I have people follow along to see how I used um, the butternut squash or the little bag of tomatoes or whatever it is, right? So it's usually – and so without a CSA, it's the same thing, right? You make yourself a grocery list at the beginning of the week. Part Part of eating healthy and making the right choice also making it the fast choice is just being prepared. So if you can set out 10 minutes on a Sunday morning and say, what do I want the week to look like? And then make a quick list and shop the perimeter of your store. Try and stay away from all the packaging and really make your basket really produce heavy. 
you will find so many seasonal gems that you can't help but walk by your fridge and pop the blueberries in your mouth and throw some tomatoes on a delicious piece of sourdough toast and have a pear sliced up on the side. Well, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted real practical ideas for people so that they can go to the store and buy those kinds of things or go have a CSA delivered to them because that could be anywhere in the world, my friends. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Heather Goldberg and she's going to have a million ideas for us. <laughs> Living and working with Alzheimer's and other dementias can often be challenging. Summit Resilience Training provides education, utilizing non-medical approaches for those who work with our friends affected by dementia. Believing families still need one-on-one assistance, we provide classes which help them understand the diseases affecting their loved ones, offering strategies and techniques for success with activities of daily living and working with confusing behaviors. We offer in-home assessments to clarify symptoms of dementia diseases and help families work together to find moments of joy while living with memory loss and impairment. Education programs instilling person-centered care philosophies are offered for professional caregivers working in communities and homes, which can be customized for their staff. Training is also available for first responders, such as law enforcement, fire, and EMT personnel. We are passionate that people with dementias, such as Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, and others, are approached with compassion and understanding, and those who work with them have all the tools they need for success. Call us at Summit Resilience Training, 303-420-6988, to schedule a class or in-home assessment. Visit our website at summitresiliencetraining.com for more information. Welcome back to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Okay, we're back, and I have a friend in the studio, and Heather Goldberg is not only my friend, but she's a board-certified holistic health practitioner and lifestylist, and I love her ideas. Uh, We have, I've sort of followed you on Instagram. Can people follow you on Instagram? Sure, I'd love it. I love connecting with new people. Um, I'm easy to find. I'm just Heather Goldberg. Okay. So, uh, and spell your last name. G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G. There you go. She posts a lot of information on there you will just love. So anywhere you are in the world, you can join this, okay? So um, moving on with some of the things that we were talking about, another thing besides comfort food, are smoothies. You are a master at smoothies. Talk about what can you throw into a smoothie that can be nutritious and good. I don't think people even know how to make them. So start from the beginning. Would they use a blender, a processor? What do they use? And what kind of things would you utilize? Yeah, so I do actually have a really simple formula. It's not proprietary at all. Everybody would do this. So you use a blender. Let's start with a blender. And then we can always make modifications. But when using a blender, I just add any liquid of my choice to the bottom of the blender. This could be – I usually will do like an unsweetened oat milk, but it could be coconut water. It could be fruit juice. It could be even really plain water just to give yourself a little liquid so that as the – goodness all mushes together, it has some place to blend. Okay. Um, To that, I add any of my fibrous foods. 
um, if you're adding spinach or kale, any other greens, this is the time to toss them in. I add then frozen fruits or vegetables. Um, I know I am in the minority when I say I am not a banana fan. (laughs) Bananas are perfect in smoothies. Um, But I will oftentimes opt for frozen strawberries or frozen mangoes instead to give that real kind of icy creaminess without making it icy and adding that nutrition in there. Okay. Any frozen fruit works though. Okay. To that, add any fresh fruit or veggies that you want. Um, here's where you'll toss in either fresh strawberries, fresh avocado, Ooh, some blueberries. Yum. And then I always top it off with any of my favorite nutrition mix-ins, protein powders, collagens, chia seeds, uh, flaxseed, uh, whatever you want to boost then the nutrition of that smoothie. Okay. And so, how does it taste when you're done? Delicious. <laughs> delicious. I'm going to trust you on that. And you know what? I have a lot of that in my refrigerator, and I have a blender. And I'm going to promise you that I'm going to do a little video, and I'm going to post it when I have made my first smoothie a la Heather. I can't wait. (laughs) You know, you bring up a really great point, smoothies and soups. I'm considered the smoothie and the soup queen, and I'll tell you why. It is such an easy way to clean out your refrigerator in a delicious, nutritious way. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I guess you could uh, – we all have that lettuce that looks like, oh, it's getting a little wilty or whatever. Is that the time to throw it in or throw it in when it's fresh? Um, I think, yeah, even when it's not so fresh. You know, even when it's not so fresh, a little tip, just put it in a little bath of water and that will help revive it. Like really? if you think of how a flower wilts in the garden – That's how our fruits and veggies do, too. I'll be darned. I did not know that. Another thing that we have always liked, especially with our margaritas, is limes. Yes, yes, yes. You like to use limes. Talk about that. Why do you like to use limes? First of all, limes, lemons and limes, make me so happy. (laughs) I defy you to slice up a lime or a lemon, get a little juice on your fingers, and not sniff it and just be in heaven for a second. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? The essential oil of it is really a happy. I but, could not agree more. But limes, too, are full of vitamin C and antioxidants, strengthening collagen and increasing collagen's production. They help hydrate and repair the skin, all for a more youthful glow. Right. We <laughs> all are looking for that. <laughs> Provides immunity, promotes weight loss, reduces the risk for some cancers, and a whole lot more. When I combine it with uh, my Soleil water, I then have a happy brain, a happy body, and a happy heart. Well, let's talk about then. That's a nice. Uh, that's a nice segue. What is Soleil water? I so, know you like it. Mm-hmm. What so, is it? Soleil water is actually just this saturated water with Himalayan salt, and it really is a very simple recipe. Anybody can direct message me, and I'll be happy to like guide them through it. But if you're looking at like a ball canning jar. What, what, 16 ounce, I don't know, the regular mm-hmm. ball jars. Put about a quarter of pink Himalayan salt. Okay. Top it off with filtered water. Filtered water. Put a plastic lid on top, not metal, a plastic lid on top. Give it a day or so, and it will saturate the water with all those minerals and vitamins and nutrients. And then you just put a teaspoon of that in a glass of water each morning with a squeeze of lemon or lime. Really? And that's my water. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. So... All my listeners are sitting at home going, 
What did she just say? I know I'm fast. So, no, no, not because you're fast, just because it's unbelievable that it can be that simple. So the pink Himalayan salt, I have some of that in my cabinet. Just regular water? You want to make it filtered, like as good quality water as you can. Okay. And then how much and how much? So put like a quarter of the jar. Of the, the ball them. jar. Uh-huh. The and salt she the means bottom. the ball canning jars. That's what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, about a quarter uh, of the jar with the salt. Top it off with the water. Put a plastic lid on top so it's not reactive with the metal of like a typical canning lid. Mm-hmm. And let it sit overnight and it will saturate to the most beautiful color of almost the color of my blouse, like a pink. Do you shake it up? Nope. It will saturate itself and then you can give it a little shake or stir in the morning as you use it. Okay. That will last me a good month. And then you just add a teaspoon of that. I just take a teaspoon of that to a glass of water, a fresh glass, top that off with your water in the morning and Wow, something that simple. And you think that that not only helps you with hydration, which we know water helps with hydration, right? But all the things we talked about in the car on the way over to the studio today, better sleep, what are some of the other things? More energy. More energy. Happier moods. Improved digestion. Yeah. Enhanced concentration. Even normalizes blood pressure. Heather, are we making this too hard? Not you and me. Uh, the world. Yeah. You're making it simple today. I, I'm thinking, why didn't I do some of these things? Well, you can start today. Every day is a Monday morning. That is so true. <laughs> you know, and so I have been, as I've been working on my... Uh, healthier planning, eating, exercise, my whole regime that I'm working through right now. I've been writing everything down. And I know that you encourage journals when when people are on this journey. So we are documenting good ideas. We're writing down some new exercises. Uh, we're writing down some new recipes. What are we – what do you like to journal? When I – yeah, I am not a great journaler. A significant part of my business, though, is looking at people's sleep and nutritious journals. Like I have them track what they're reading. I'm not having them track calories. I'm not having them track macro and micronutrients. I'm just having them track during the day what they're eating, how they're feeling when they're eating, and kind of what their energy levels are around that. Um, and I use it – because I think it's a really easy place to start because when we look, it's easy to just grab candy that's in a bowl on the counter, right, or a bag of chips out of the, the cabinet. It's really easy to do that and mm-hmm. forget that you even did it. And then here we are at the end of the year and we're wondering, huh, my jeans are a little snug. <laughs> if we are actually looking at it, then we can say, oh, maybe I shouldn't buy the chips or I shouldn't put the candy on the counter. Keep it in a cabinet, right? So it's a really easy place to start for me as a coach. I'm looking for the positive, actually. So when I'm suggesting making lifestyle changes, I like to add things, not take away things. I don't want people to feel like they're losing something. I want them to add something to their day that they feel is easy, like the sole water. Right. Sometimes people just want information 
that what they are doing is making the best choices they can with the information they have now. Well, and the problem is we don't have a lot of people like you making it simple for us and making it practical for us, and we get confused. We think everything's about proteins and carbohydrates and calories and blah, 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 instead of, you know, just throwing some things in the blender. I think back now to my uncle who lived to be 95 years old, or maybe a little older than that, actually, my Uncle Willie, God rest his soul. And he always uh, threw all kinds of stuff in and would drink these green things that just looked horrible. But you know what? He was one of the people in the family that always did that. He always ate his own foods. He always ate fresh foods. He always did smoothies and things like that. And he never, he didn't have an ounce of dementia. uh, And he died in his late 90s gives me great inspiration. Let's move on to talking about not just what we put into our bodies, but I know self-care is very important to you. I mean, it's very, very important to you. And it encompasses a lot of different areas, right? So, you know, what could those be? Breathing exercises, ways to um, get rid of your stress, What does self-care mean to Heather Goldberg? You know, so it's such a great question. You know, talking as a caregiver, talking as someone who's in her mid-50s, talking um, as someone who herself worries about Alzheimer's disease, um, it's so important. So I talk about it on a daily basis with my clients, but I oftentimes think I'm forgetting that I'm t- to not take care of myself. But what I find out is I think we naturally take care of ourselves in the smallest of moments. We just need to be aware of them. So if we can be mindful, then we can do it more often. Intentional. Intentional. I think we naturally choose self-care in the tiniest of moments. It can be in the thoughts we choose. Um, when we first wake up, it can be the intentions we set for the day or the energy we put behind oh, those intentions. I love that. Right? Maybe we choose self-care in the quiet time at the top of an hour. Pull an angel card. Practice a one minute of intentional breathing and the mindfulness we can then access in the space between the breaths. Right. Or the time we take to fill a glass of water. Paying attention to sipping it completely. Mm -hmm. Um, Thanking it for how how our body will use it and how our body needed it. And perhaps just stopping in the middle of our day to notice fully embracing moments of joy and laughter and gratitude. And, you know, you and I are both empaths. We really are. We feel everybody's emotions. I do not sort of uh, have that channel back out of me. I can be in a room full of people crying and, and I won't shed a cheer. Sometimes I feel like I've lost that ability. You know what I mean? I can listen to something horribly sad or what have you and not have it per se affect me anymore. You are kind of the polar opposite of that. You deeply feel other people's emotions. So when that happens, it can be very tiring. It can be really draining, right? And so how do you move forward in a resilient way? And I use resilience all the time. It's overcoming obstacles and adversity to find a positive outcome. So what do you focus on? I really just focus on what I can control. 
Mm-hmm. I focus on how I move and how I rest, how I speak to myself, how I spread kindness to others, mm-hmm. how I nourish my body, how I hydrate my body, how I choose gratitude. You really do. That is never were true words ever spoken. That's really what you do. And I think we we try so desperately to be the best we can be for other people. And it is important that we don't take on their stress. You know, I get emails from listeners. I have them right on my website. I have four support groups through my business, which, by the way, I'm starting my seventh year today. Congratulations. um, Which has caused some stress for me at times, you know. Can I be everything I want to be for everybody around me? And sometimes we take on that stress, and we know there's a link between chronic stress, how we manifest that stress, and how we release that stress, and Alzheimer's disease. Yes. In fact, the Natural Center for Biotechnology Information has a really great stress cycle illustrating how stress drives Alzheimer's, how stress exacerbates those symptoms of Alzheimer's, and how excessive stress will accelerate the progression of the disease. That's amazing, isn't it? Because I don't think that we per se think of that very often. When I have professional classes, I teach them breathing techniques to calm themselves when they're stressed. I especially do that with my Parkinson's clients uh, because a lot of their tremors are caused from the emotions that they feel, right? And uh, I, you also use breathing techniques as well. That's important to you, right? I do. Yeah. I do. Um, I use breathing techniques kind of like – remember when we were in grade school and we learned about stop, drop, and roll? Yeah. That's how I use breathing techniques. When I feel myself a little out of control, I just stop it all and I um, breathe. And my favorite um, breathing method is really so simple that anybody could do it at any time. And it's it's referred to as um, square breathing, box breathing, but it really is I take in a breath. I breathe in for five full seconds. I then hold for five seconds. I release for five seconds, I pause for five seconds, and I start that cycle for two more times for one full minute of breathing. I do the same thing, except for I do it for four seconds, but I have them do that, and I have them close their eyes and think about their arms and legs and loosening up their shoulders and things like that. I pulled a quote off of your Instagram that I just love. (laughs) And it says, and one day she discovered that she was fierce and strong and full of fire and that not even she could hold herself back because the passion burned brighter than her fears. I think that really embodies everything that we've ever thought about of our mothers having Alzheimer's and that we're going to do something about that. And with that... Here we go to the spirit of social networks and why it's important to have friends and why it's important to not be lonely and to share your journey with others because it is – there is a lot of research out there that studies maintaining strong social connections, right? 
And hopefully, if we are not isolated, if we have family and friends that are loving on us and caring for us and and so on and so forth, those families in my world do so much better. Social Social interaction is so important, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, building those social networks, staying social is like exercising your brain. Mm-hmm. Social experiences keep our minds nimble and can modify the pathways between brain cells, even regenerating parts of the brain itself. According to the AARP, women who had daily contact with friends and family cut their risk of dementia by almost half. Wow. When we are socializing and in conversation with each other, we have to think about how we will respond, and this alone stimulates the brain. Ah, I love that. So essentially what you just said is we need to love on each other more. We need to we need to hug each other more. We need to be with friends. I will share with my listeners that a couple of weeks ago I called Heather and said, I need my Heather fix. <laughs> I need I need to have a glass of wine with you. I need I need those building blocks in my life. I don't have so many friends that it's not important that the people who are really important to me can be missing for any length of time. It bothers me, you know? And so I was talking to you about that. And and it is true that when we share love and we, as you often say, stand in your power mm-hmm. and and share your magic, we inspire people, right? We inspire people to be more loving and more gentle and more present and more intentional. Super important. Yeah, living in that authenticity is what the human experience is all about. Yeah. Right? And so when we can be human with each other, it's not the quantity of relationships necessarily. It's the quality. And and how are we connecting so that we know we're not experiencing isolation and loneliness? And those whom we care about are not experiencing isolation and loneliness because we do know that it's such a strong correlation to – Alzheimer's or other dementias. Well, and certain people fill you up. They fill up your soul. You know what I mean? You do that for me. And you do it for me. I, When I'm around you, I feel revitalized. Aww. I feel tingly. I feel inspired. And I, and I love that. And and you have always done that for me. I hope I've always done that for you. you. And it's been a it's been a fun friendship with you because I've been able to help you with your mom's caregiving uh, needs and her unmet needs and how can we work through all this and, and, and research and all kinds of other other issues surrounding it. And you've always helped me with how to make my body and my mind stronger and my spirit stronger. And I love that. And, you know, the last thing we really want to do is feel like we're walking alone, you know, that we're just, we can't find the light. I mean, the last thing we want to do is feel like we're all by our, ourselves in this big, big world. Yeah, I think it's roomy. I'll confirm. But there's that beautiful quote, we are all just walking each other home. Oh, I love that. So yeah, you summarized that perfectly. And How you defined our friendship is just, I think, a beautiful definition of 
the symbiotic nature of a friendship, right? What you bring and give to me is balanced. What I bring and give to you, although they're so different, vastly different, but both of our needs, um, our heart needs (laughs) are met by it. That's exactly right. And, you know, that's where that's where we find our magic. That's where we find our power. Right. And you and I are always trying to learn something new. We're always, always, always trying to do something different. I have uh, morphed my company into several different avenues that I didn't even think I was going to go down at one point in time. Um, I play games on my phone. I work crossword puzzles. I, I've been trying to learn all about nutrition the last few months, which is a big learning curve for me. I really didn't see that coming, right? But let's talk about for a minute how important it is to keep our brains active and to keep learning new things. Yeah, we can keep our brains healthy by constantly creating new pathways and connections in our brain. Activities like learning to play a new instrument, mm-hmm. traveling with new friends, or or friend, old friends, just traveling to new places, taking up a new sport or learning a new language, cooking a new recipe, or even learning to brush our hands with our non-dominant hands. I never thought about that. That's really that's a really cool thing to try to do, right? Because it's it's not normal for us. Now, I'm ambidextrous, so I do a lot of things left-handed that I don't do right-handed, and I write right-handed, but, you know, so that really isn't as challenging for me, but I bet it would be for a lot a lot of people in my caregiver nation. Oh, yeah. I mean, to make those challenges for our brains with real-life experiences are invaluable. So I do. I, I'm, I'm not ambidextrous, but I do use my hands a lot. Um, but I always brush with my right hand, so I'm really conscious when I do my left hand. When I unload the dishwasher, I use my left hand to put away the silverware. It's kind of tricky sometimes, but when I feel finished, it's like a task well done. I'm really proud of myself for taking the time, right, because sometimes we're in a hurry, just get things done, (laughs) but I'm really for – it takes that time because my brain is like, okay, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to try – Cutting my vegetables tonight, my greens and my and my peppers and stuff with my left hand. We'll be very careful with that. <laughs> I really want to do that. I think that'll be fun. But really, seriously, if we can challenge our brains with real life experiences, new experiences, fresh ones, it just helps us, you know, creating new circuits in our brain and keeps that cognitive decline far, far away if if we can. That's what we're really, really hoping for, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you and I have talked a lot, kind of bringing this whole thing full circle, um, about research. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dr. Potter's been on the show. He was just on a couple of weeks ago and, Mm -hmm. again, was talking about his caffeine, coffee, and, and things like that, he believes helps people. I was thrilled to hear that because I love coffee. Um, But, um, you know, I've also had a show where I talked about uh, a a new behab or whatever the heck it's called. I can never say that name, the new drug that the FDA just put out and how I felt strongly about that um, and did not have a lot of positive things to say about it. But we have talked a lot about 
um, research you and I and how it needs to morph into something that is more comprehensive around food and nutrition and the mind, body, and spirit that we've been talking about and all of that. It's important because the statistics are startling, right? Outrageously startling. I mean, they hurt my heart. Mm -hmm. They really, really do. Let's go through a couple of these as we're wrapping everything up today. So according to the Alzheimer's Association in their 2020 annual report, they gave us some really alarming statistics, right? Yeah, 16 yes. million Americans provide unpaid care for people with ALS and other dementias, Lewy body, Parkinson's disease, frontal temporal. We won't leave any of you folks out. The caregiver burden is heavy. Let's talk, let's talk about some of these statistics. Yeah, I mean, for those 16 million Americans... Uh, providing unpaid care, it equates to 18.6 billion hours valued at nearly $244 billion. That's incredible. Total payments in 2020 for all individuals with Alzheimer's or other dementias are estimated at $305 billion, not including the unpaid caregiving. By 2050, these costs are estimated to rise to $1.1 trillion and beyond. That's incredible. And it's becoming more and more common. It's the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. and the fifth leading cause of death for those 65 and under. And according or to the, older, I'm sorry. Yes. Mm -hmm. And according to the National Institute on Aging, recent estimates indicate that Alzheimer's may rank third just behind heart disease and cancer as a cause of death for older people and is the only disease cause of death in the top 10 globally that cannot be prevented, slowed, or cured. Isn't that amazing? And here, I don't know about you, but it blows my mind that they were able to come up with this COVID vaccine so quick, right? I want them to put that same attention towards all, Alzheimer's. Fast track it. It needs to be fast tracked. According to the CDC, this is a very recent statistic I just read. According to the CDC, in the United States alone, 42,000 more deaths from Alzheimer's and other dementias happened in 2020 compared to the same average number of deaths over the last five years. Wow. So if you want any more information on this, anything we've talked about today, look Heather up on Instagram. Heather Goldberg. She's easy to find. She has wonderful information, and you put it on pretty regularly. And I love having you on the show today. Thank you, Heather. This has been just a wonderful conversation, and I'm sure my Caregiver Nation really has enjoyed it. Any parting thoughts? Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm part of your Caregiver Nation, so I'm so happy to be able to contribute um, yeah, I'll leave with the a quote that I had read from the Alzheimer's Association. Alzheimer's is one of the greatest threats to women's health. And so, like I started, we have to be part of this cure. We do. And I love you, girl. And come back anytime. Thanks, Jill. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week on Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. Been listening to Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz. To learn more about her resources, services, classes, or to book speaking engagements, 
visit Jill's website at summitresiliencetraining.com. A new podcast drops every Tuesday, so join us as we learn more about dementias, resilience, and overcoming obstacles to find a positive outcome. Dementia Resilience with Jill Lorenz can be found on your favorite podcast provider. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Musical and technical support provided by Brian Hunter. See you next week.